0: Problems bring up feelings in us that existed before the problem ever happened.
1: Hello friend, I'm so grateful that you're here. You're listening to Your Spin Out is Gorgeous, a podcast of communion, a place where we connect within the full spectrum of humanity. My name is Natalie Q and I'm your host. I'm a mother, a lover, a friend, and your fellow human. What I want to offer you is liberation from the cultural foists, the narratives that are thrust upon us and guide much of our experience here on the planet. I'm with you on your journey of unlearning. What if everyone you knew was pursuing a life of whole self-integration, witnessing and offering thanks for all that they are, warts and all, that's not just self-care, that's true unconditional self-love. And I wanna be there with you as you set your life and all the things that aren't serving you alight. with you as you bravely consider life from another perspective. Let's explore all things humanity without the veneer together. Life examined, not just the pretty parts. You in? Let's do this. Hello and welcome to the show. I'm so glad you're here for another episode of Your Spin Out Is Gorgeous. Today, my guest is Michael Shu. He is fascinating. Like I think you're really going to enjoy this episode what goes hand in hand with a spin out, I would say healing and getting curious about our patterns, habits, fears, the ways certain um, situations might be played out over and over and over again or being perpetuated. And I am loving his work, his message. I've been listening to Episodes of his podcast, and I am so inspired and finding so much resonance. So, what's super fun is this episode is going to air on both of our podcasts. So, definitely check it out here, give it a listen. We're going we're going to learn a little bit about Michael and what he does and what his approach is with intergenerational work on our traumas. And um, then we're going to have to, it's so long, this took us over two hours to record. Poor little doggies, we're not happy, caged up, and you'll hear them a little bit. We've, I've tried to cut out as much noise as possible, but this was a doozy, um, and it it actually is extremely emotional and vulnerable for me to release this, but I think it's going to be so helpful if I had encountered a podcast like this years ago where someone would have pointed out to me that the things that I were ex- was experiencing might be someone else's Narrative trauma wound past. I think it would have been revolutionary for me. So, in the name of service, <laughs> even though if you get to the end, you will know that my codependency is playing out and it needs to not. This is for me. I am learning. Um, just kidding. Um, this is for everybody, and we're going to share in this. And I and it's hugely important to me that we start a, sort of start to destigmatize the thought that admitting that these things happened is implicating anyone. This is not an indictment on anyone, not my parents, not your parents, not their parents or anyone else along our chain to say that these things happened and that um, we have absorbed them and taken them on. And anytime I'm going to get the opportunity to remove some stigma from these narratives that it's not okay to talk about what happened, or that brings shame to somebody to speak honestly, that is fertile soil for the worst parts of ourselves and humanity to grow instead of healing, and I'm not about that. So without further ado, I hope you enjoy part one, and we will see you in the next episode for part two. Welcome to the show, Michael Shue
0: Thank you for having me.
1: Yeah, my pleasure. So, what we're going to get into today is a little bit about you and what you do, and then we're going to show how um, a little bit of what you do through uh, in a session with me, which is so exciting.
0: Yeah, I'm looking forward to it.
1: Okay, tell us a little bit about who you are and how you got started in the work that you're doing today.
0: Uh, the work that I do is I help people heal. Anxiety, anger, and depression from the ground up by tying to its missing core link in intergenerational healing. So the reason why in our lives and in our society why anxiety, anger, depression keeps on coming up is because we're more mainly managing it at this. We folk we fixate on these emotions, but they're actually coping mechanisms to help us avoid feeling some type of pain. And that's the core of it. So, for example, you know, anxiety is how we run away from our pain. Anger is how we protect our pain. And depression is how we numb our pain. And underneath all of these layers is intergenerational healing. And what we'll talk about later on is we are living in the movies of our past family trauma or past family uh, members. But all of this stuff is hard to really understand without, a, without an example.
1: Yeah, exactly. And so I I remember hearing about this first time a few years ago and sort of being really skeptical about it. It just seems so crazy. But the more research that I've gone into about what our actual makeup is, what the actual science of this is, why that would even be, it's actually incredibly compelling, right? And I'd, I'd love for you to, for anyone who might be hearing this for the first time and is skeptical, like, yeah, let's, let's dive in. Let's help people understand um, and maybe even start to apply it into their own life, like elicit some curiosity, like, wait a minute, actually that starts to make a lot of sense as I apply that to my own life experience.
0: Yes. Yes. So like they did this, um, this is a really important study and it was, uh, Uh, shown in a book called It Didn't Start With You and what they did is they took a group of male mice and they uh, exposed them to this cherry scent and every time they did so uh, they would give them electric shock. They did so many times that every time they gave them that cherry scent without the electric shock they began to panic and so what they did, they took the, the sperm of these male mice impregnated female mice that never had any exposure to them and the offspring of these f- female mice, when they were exposed to that cherry scent, they also panicked without the electric shock, even though they had no exposure to the father. And then the offspring of this offspring, that's the third generation, when they were exposed to this cherry scent, they also panicked. And wow. so that's, uh, that, that it's just a scientific study. So I don't want people to take it like literally. Mm-hmm. cuz there's a little there's a strong emotional component and something we'll uh share later on i mean just just to give a little a tidbit cuz like examples help so much um you know right now i have a 5 month old newborn and 10 days before he was born until he was 2 months old i had horrifying um terrifying insomnia i would sleep for 3 or 4 hours a day and i'd be waking up because i'd change a diaper or because I need to go to the restroom and immediately I feared I would not be able to go back to sleep. And mm-hmm. it, there was, there was pretty much always the case. And I, and I feared if this keeps on going on, my worst fear was that I'm going to die. And so that was something I carried on until two months. Cause my son was born in the Czech Republic because that's where uh, my wife has healthcare due to her citizenship. And after when he was two months, Old, we came back to the U.S. My parents picked me up at the airport. We had dinner uh, together all at, at that same night, and then we were sharing stories how me and my wife raised our newborn son, and how my parents raised me as a newborn. And I found out for the first time ever that my mother never took care of me throughout the night because she was scared if she was woken up by me, she would not she would not be able to go back to sleep, and she's a person for her whole life has been uh, obsessed with with the fear of death but she avoids it by fixating on health and safety it is like I can't have a conversation even till this day I can't have a conversation with her without her interjecting that fear and you know like there's news about coronavirus going on but like she takes it to the other level you know she'll just she won't she cannot I can't have one conversation with her um I saw her this has happened just last night. I don't know. I feel bad kind of sharing this, Mm -hmm. Uh, but, um, so my dad was washing the dishes and he wasn't washing it correctly, you know, like uh, the ways that she wanted to. And I'm holding, you know, my grandchild, I'm walking from behind. They don't see me. And then because he's not washing it the way that she wants, she slaps him on the face, but not a whole hand, but like, like a partial. Mm -hmm. And I can tell my dad was, uh, really disappointed and hurt by it but he loves her so much that he just didn't say anything it's just like like she, she's a very loving mother and a loving grandmother loving a wife but you know that the fear is crippling for her so much that she'll even go to that extent
1: wow yeah. I understand what that's like to talk about people who might hear this. So thank you for sharing. And it really does illustrate your point. And again, it's even eliciting curiosity from me as we're talking about how this is manifesting in my own life, because it can't not right. We all have ancestors and we all have um, people who came before us and this intergenerational trauma has to be playing out, and so in what ways um, am I not acknowledging it and running from it or coping from it in not healthy ways, feeling it and um, same same thing as your son. It sounds like there's something that elicits it. The times that I've experienced insomnia or different things, there was always like some kind of um, catalytic event obviously high drama during my divorce. I also, I had never experienced insomnia before and I totally experienced that fear of the fear, fear of I'm trying to fall asleep and I can't fall asleep. And now I'm fearing that I won't fall asleep. And that's why I'm not falling asleep. I had never experienced that before. Um, Not actually during my divorce, just leading up to it. And other times that there's been some kind of, major life moment there is always some way that it's playing out and when it didn't before it wasn't there before might not be there after or it might sadly once you experience it it kind of has a way of now always being in the consciousness of your psyche that it could come back
0: exactly exactly
1: Interesting. So, yes, tell tell me more about um, the work that you then do on helping people heal this, and also healing your own.
0: Um, I mean, I can go. I mean, there's a deeper layer to this, like my mother's fear of death. And then, what was amazing was that I felt her pain, her fear, and her trauma as a newborn, and then repeated that same pain and trauma 39 years later when my, when I had my own newborn and then Uh. knowing this helped me begin to sleep better. But this was just one layer. There's a layer underneath this because why does my mom fear death so much because she lives in a nice neighborhood, but she uh, bars up the windows, has an alarm system, a surveillance system. And in her bedroom, she has, a door lock, a chain lock, and she puts a chair against the door handle. So this is very, like, it's very, it's like, it's almost, she's addicted to this fear and she cannot live without it. Her coping mechanism is to fixate on health and safety, to avoid the fear of death. But where does that fear of death come from? In short, you know, because I do want to focus on like talking, you know, applying the process onto you. Um, is an intergenerational trauma or phenomenon of pe- of of people being abandoned. So that fear of death is if I die, then I don't exist because there's no you literally have no existence if you die. and so but then I will the mind, the thinking mind will gravitate to that fear, will make something up because you're holding on to something. That doesn't belong to you. No matter how you try to, how much I try to fix this feeling like I don't exist, I'm abandoned, but didn't happen to me. So it doesn't make sense. So I have to. So me and my mother have to create this fear because it's the only way to make sense of it. So something that because it just doesn't belong to us. And something like, just just a quick story is that my mother, my grandmother, when she on my 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 mother's mother, when she was five years old. Uh, she was, um, her father divorced her, my grandma's mother. And then, so my grandma's mother was pretty much outcasted and had to live a life of poverty. So the, my grandmother's father remarried and that stepmother did not want my grandmother as part of the family because it would legitimize her existence. She doesn't want to be known as a stepmother or the second wife. So my grandmother wasn't raised by her, um, by her father and the stepmother. It was, she was raised by her grandparents. But this is World War II in communist China and she's fleeing for her life. She's fleeing away from death, violence, and murder. She goes to my, her father's new home and when he opens the door, his first reaction is disappointment because he knows that his second wife will be angry. So with her life on the line, She does not matter. Her father did not protect her. And this understanding that helps me see whose movie am I in. And my mother as well. My mother doesn't want to, you know, she cannot, she doesn't want to acknowledge the feeling. She wants to just obsessively fixate on the the fear of death, but that helps me sleep better.
1: Yeah. Interesting. So for someone who's listening to this and again, trying to get that curiosity of their own life, would it be something where they just say to themselves, oh my God, I've had this or X, Y, Z, whatever it personally is to them. That's been so irrational. I couldn't figure out where this is coming from because when you break it down, it's kind of crazy making like your mom with all of the locks. Like there's no earthly reason why I should be feeling this, experiencing this, fearing this, having this kind of compulsive behavior. And yet here I am having it. And this is something to, inquire as to where that it, it came from possibly not in my own life like you said yeah whose movie am i am <laughs> yeah. am i yeah. in which is so powerful yeah. like it's almost kind of freaky a little bit right
0: yeah but to to get to that because then that's the, like almost the final understanding but to get there is a step-by-step process because we only think about the negative emotion we only think about the problem that is bothering us so we got to go from there, and I've created a process which I detail uh, in my book and in very, very detail in the masterclass that I have, and it's all based upon this emotional strength FIST process, the fist process, and this will go la- layer by layer underneath the iceberg because on the tip of the iceberg is the problem or the negative emotion, but underneath all that, how do you how there's a specific process. Um, to get there, and yeah. the, the 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 very first mantra, to actually the very very first step, is to tell ourselves, problems bring up feelings in us that existed before the problem ever happened. Ooh, and this That's is a hefty one. Is a hefty yeah. one. So I, I I normally repeat it. So uh, problems bring up feelings in us that existed before the problem ever happened.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking as you were saying it because sometimes the iceberg hasn't even surfaced. What I've noticed with the the growth that I've done especially recently in the last few years is for a long time you aren't even conscious of it. Like David Foster Wallace, what is water? The fish in the fishbowl. Your problems and your feelings are so tied to your experience of life that you for a long time maybe until it maybe like a pimple gets to the surface it's been something that's been so automatic and so ingrained and so subconscious it isn't even able to be addressed until it's been brought to consciousness and you're even aware that there's a problem
0: exactly exactly here. what's what's really exactly. interesting is that the tip of the iceberg you think like okay I see it, and I'll, I'll go underneath. See, uh, see what's uh, happening underlying all of that. But the interesting thing is that we actually fixate on the problem and the negative emotion, which is the tip of the iceberg, to avoid feeling that core negative feeling. So that problems bring up feelings in us that existed before the problem ever happened. That's the thinking mind, because the first step in the FIST process is F, which is feeling. And I tell people, feeling is healing, and so we will uncover these feelings and they will say something negative about us. But it's important to remind ourselves that they're not true about who we really are. But the thing is, we the thinking mind says, okay, I'll help you avoid feeling this feeling. You can fixate on the problem, fixate on a negative emotion so you don't uh, feel that feeling. But if you don't actually feel it and identify it, it always will subconsciously control how you feel and think.
1: Yeah, that's right. Okay, I think that's a really, really good context for um, someone to understand what we're about to do with with exploring it. Are you ready, or do you have more? Yes, I'm you? ready.
0: I'm okay. totally ready. <laughs> okay.
1: <laughs> I'm I was born ready. ready. <laughs> yes. Am I? Is it normal for someone to be nervous? Because it it is almost kind of like I used to say say like if you were raised in chaos normalcy will feel strange to you. It's almost like, do you watch someone kind of clinging to just what's normal because they're at least used to it and it's familiar versus like, oh my God, I've got to go heal myself. I've got to go check out what this is. I've got to go deep into the source of what the hell has been going on this time. And it's this kind of, I think it's like an ego mechanism, right? Like the ego as the function that just wants to keep things as they are. Yeah, I can feel the response of it now, like, oh my God, like, wait, but wait, who would you be without your fears and insecurities and your anxiety?
0: So, so re- rem- I try to remember the emotional strength, F-I-S-T process, the FIST process. Okay. So F stands for feeling. We're always thinking, thinking, and overthinking. Yes. Right? Uh, do you resonate with that?
1: Yes, I'm an overthinker for sure.
0: So thinking is important. Thoughts and action are important. But they they are the ship that help us get to our destination. Mm -hmm. But the captain is feeling. Okay? I want you to tell yourself the mantra, feeling is healing.
1: Feeling is healing.
0: So even we don't want to feel these feelings because remember problems bring up feelings in us that existed before the problem ever happened. And feelings going to say something negative about us but it's not true and even just by feeling we are i say feeling is healing because it connects us to love so even if we feel that this negative emotion or pain it begins the healing process because we're sending it love very importantly that you want to identify these core feelings only way you're going to identify a feeling is to you cannot purely think your way through it you have to also incorporate the act of feeling. But Mm -hmm. first and foremost, that is the foundation. Feeling, the act of feeling creates a foundation for all other levels of healing and awareness to be possible. So it's just setting a foundation. It's not the end-all be-all, but it's just very important because if we're only thinking in our headspace, we're going to end up in a downward spiral. We're going to go in on a path in the very opposite direction that we want to go to.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. I will remember feeling is healing. (laughs) And I actually don't feel it anymore. I just, I really do think it was that that's my program. And it's, that's just such a normal thing for me to be nervous or kind of scared of something new. And I'll push through it, but I don't know. Now I feel calm. I feel great.
0: Good, good, good. All right. So tell me, what do you like to focus on for today and how are you feeling having having said that we will apply the the this emotional uh, this process and emotional toolkit to help Mm -hmm. you get to the root of all your you know negative emotions feelings and problems but i don't want you to feel fixated by i mean restricted by it so at any time you want to say something outside of it feel free to do so
1: okay thank you okay so how do i feel like or what's my core issue right now
0: on what what would you like to focus on for today, and how are you feeling?
1: Yeah, the release of this podcast, which is new, has elicited I think a fear response um, that was something that I had been feeling for a number of years because I wanted to do something like this and go forward and write a book and have conversations and tell my story, but there was some underlying fear. I think of abandonment about that, how it's so weird when you're doing that. Um, It's weird that it's not for the people closest to you, but it's about the people closest to you in some ways, or they will come into your story. And so, excuse me, I've been feeling even like physical pain in my teeth, which somebody told me. If you carry anxiety there, that's pride. I don't know if that's true. But a few years ago, I started carrying my anxiety in my teeth. Like I'll tighten my mouth and um, they'll be really sore. Like I'm actually like making braces of my lips or something. My teeth will be that sore. Um,
0: I'll, I'll- uh, just mm-hmm. like to hear what, is, uh, what about the situation or wh- what is making you feel anxious?
1: I think when you produce something that's really close to you, that it really, um, intertwines with you, who you actually are, what you've actually experienced and done and felt, I think you feel really, <clears throat> really vulnerable. And I think there's, um, yeah, certainly I, I, I am at the risk of losing my family to be myself Um, some context, like I, I am a very different person within my family. My family's all active Mormon. My dad just got released as Bishop. My, have four sisters and their husbands. They're all married. They're all in the church. And there's certain things that I have to say that aren't very flattering to the church that I came from. That's really hard. That's a really hard thing to do, to stand up and say, hmm well, this is my story anyway. And this podcast isn't all about me, but it it does at times involve me or my story. And it's a platform for different books that I'm reading that will be even more open about me and my story. And I think that would be really normal, but there's obviously some way that it's really
0: personal to me,
1: yeah. I guess, like revealing myself.
0: Got it, got it, got it. Mm-hmm. So I... I do want to uh, first identify the emotions that you experience? So there are three main negative emotions that we experience, and they have they have a lot of subcategories. So number one is anxiety, worry, or fear. The second one is anger or frustration. The third one is depression, emotional suppression, which is numbing or bottling in how we feel, or sadness. So out of these three. Which ones do you experience?
1: I think emotional suppression, which is hard to admit. <laughs> I and I try to be honest with myself and go like, "What is it? What I don't? I'm not totally sure." Can you say them again? It might be helpful, not just for me, but it, it takes so much to like reorient and think through. It's hard to go like, "Wait, which one is it?"
0: Okay, so the first one is anxiety, worry, or fear.
1: I think I I, anxiety and worry. Yes, fear. Fear might be a different different one to think through, like because you can't really name the fear, right? Or I I can't. It's
0: okay. okay. I just want to know: Do you feel, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: experience anxiety, worry, or fear?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah,
0: And then the third, uh, the second one would be anger or frustration. Anger does not have to be something that's violent. Mm -hmm. It's just a feeling.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Not necessarily from maybe frustration, but yes, anger. Mm -hmm.
0: So yes, you do experience anger?
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Okay. So tell me a problem or situation that brings up strong feelings of anxiety or worry or fear in you.
1: Um, definitely the, that whole category is tied to my present and future with choosing a career that is so intertwined with me personally and my personal life and experiences.
0: Got it. Mm-hmm. So sharing your vulnerability. hmm Okay. And what is a situational problem that brings up strong feelings of anger or frustration?
1: Mm-hmm. I think that's tied to my divorce and um, the anger is at my ex-husband, for sure, and being misunderstood within that whole spectrum. And um, the frustration is also the divorce in that, and not just my ex-husband, by the way, because these two tie into each other. The the frustration is for the future of connected to my past, where I was raised in a culture that told me to tie myself to a man, attach myself. It said it implicitly. It said it explicitly. It said it with a wink. It said it with a smile. And I bought into it, even as I was trying to have my own career within my marriage. it It was set in my teenage years. Clear up until then, and so then when you get divorced and you're dumped out on your ass, (laughs) I'm I'm angry and frustrated at this world for women, and that that's happened, and that that's a real experience for women that you leave your marriage, and you're you lose your support um, in large degree, and you're just supposed to deal with that in a man's world where all the men are in power. All of the men are in leadership. We have a wage gap. And I'm I'm so angry and frustrated about that.
0: When you say tie yourself to a man, what do you mean by that?
1: I was told in my youth, as many people raised in certain religions are, that I would never work unless my husband was dead or I got divorced. And neither of those two things were supposed to happen. So in my whole formative years, Clear through my whole marriage, it was said that it, like go to college, but that's said with a wink that that's just where you're supposed to meet a man and you're, you're, he's okay, going to be okay. the breadwinner. You're never going to work. And it's very shameful for you to work.
0: Got it. Got it. Emotional suppression is just you just numbing how you feel or suppressing. Is that correct? Yeah. Got it. Got it. Okay. So, Now, we're going to apply the, remember F-I-S-T, the emotional strength FIST process. F -F stands for feeling. I stands for identifying these core negative feelings that are not true about who we really are, but we need to identify it. So I call it, what it helps us do is cut the head off the snake because Mm -hmm. if we don't identify it, it will subconsciously control us, how we feel and think. So the, the process to identify these core feelings is the P-E-W-F process. Think of the POOF process. So P stands for problem, E stands for emotion. We, we did that part. Mm-hmm. To identify these core negative feelings, the next step we want to do is to, we need to do the W, which is a worst fear, worst case scenario. So we want to take this original problem, stretch it all the way to your worst fear, worst case scenario, and tell me what does that look like? So with the anxiety is about being vulnerable on your podcast. Mm-hmm. Okay. Maybe exposing some of your family members. What is your worst? Stretch that scenario, the situation, that problem into your worst fear, worst case scenario. And tell me what does that look like?
1: <clears throat> I've always said that it would be like completely losing my family, like they cut me off, like but actually i think it's worse than that i think it's like cutting me off in a really hurt like having words first like angry at me telling me i'm bad i'm evil telling me that i'm wrong telling me that i'm you know punitive and and horrible and then and then You know, never speaking to me again because we disagree on our worldviews.
0: What's the worst part of it? Them scolding you, reprimanding you, and verbally being harsh with you, or cutting you off?
1: I don't know. I I I vacillate. Even as you say that, like, because you as you start to go through it, you're like, okay, if they were doing that, if they were horrible, in the moment. I would handle that, but there's some way it plays out, right, when it's a hypothetical that's different than if it were actually happening. You're kind of making me see through it already. Like, okay, you know, that's actually happened before. When I did leave the church, it was horrible. We had words. People weren't happy. People told me it was Satan. People have since told me they thought it was a nervous breakdown, that I was out of my mind. You know, I've handled all of that. It hasn't been fun. It hasn't tickled, but it's already happened.
0: Got it. Got it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Got it. All right. Um, and then the second, before we identify the core negative feeling, let's uh, revisit the second problem in situation, which is uh, being misunderstood. I think what is I think being misunderstood in a divorce, but you I mm-hmm. felt like the stronger one was you felt like your whole future because of the past and what you were taught mm-hmm. was to be tied to a man mm-hmm. and have no sense of self. Is mm-hmm. that this latter one? Is that what your the anger is? I think it's most more about? money.
1: It's more like this, you attach yourself to this man and then he provides this life for you and you have the kids and raise them. And now in a divorce, you're the man and the woman. I'm a single mom. I take care of the kids. And then on top of that, I'm supposed to financially provide for myself in a, sorry, that's a bit loud. I'm just adjusting myself here in my seat. Um, having to provide you know it, go out you you can't start over you know this happened when i was about 30 so you don't go back and get an internship and and just start over those are for people who are 21 and just graduating from college or 18 and just leaving high school off on their own, you can't sort of go back and start over. So, you know, I had this extremely affluent marriage. My kids were in private school. I lived in a penthouse. I lived in a house with a pool, with a tennis court, with a pond in the middle. One of my homes had a floor to ceiling tile mosaic of Napoleon, you know, now I live in a dumpy little apartment community (laughs) where your dreams go to die. And I'm actually fine with that. I'm happier. And, you know, I'll, I'll discuss that in future podcasts, what an identity crisis after the loss of money looks like, but I'm sure I get, I would be stupid to admit that I don't have money fears and money shame. Um, of like running out of money or how am I going to put this all together in the collapse of this crazy thing? I think this might happen to some women. Some women might've been admonished to go get their education and go have a career. So the divorce is hard and I don't want to take anything away from them, but they have their careers in that divorce. There are then a number of women, and I don't think I'm alone in this. I think this will resonate with a lot of women who were told To do this. And in the collapse of their divorce, they are completely left high and dry. And it was bad advice. And they followed it and they lived like that. And it was great for a while. And now, when they're on their own with a little bit of child support that kind of does nothing, (laughs) you know, I'm grateful for it. I at least do have it. I don't want to minimize that. It's a little bit, it's about a little bit under what my rent costs and then the rest is up to me for my whole life to put together after following a man around for his, with his career around the world that whole time. So of course I would have um, big fears around not only the money and the career, but like, who am I in this professional world that I never was meant to be in and that does not welcome me
0: so fear of who am I Mm. and also fear of um, you said having no money Mm. is that is that a strong fear now
1: (sighs) I think when I listen to podcasts and people are talking about that it's really common for women to think of money as a lake where men think of it as a river that it's flowing and it comes and goes, I think I'm better than most if that's true, because I do think of it as a river that it flows in and it flows out. And I like to give what I get. I like to give big tips and feel like, oh, well, that will return to me. Like it, I I think I've got some parts of it right. I and that. then other parts of it, they're Maybe I don't know what they are. Again, maybe they're subconscious. Maybe, maybe they're there and I don't want to face them. I don't, I don't know exactly what it is, but it has to be there.
0: Okay. Got it. Got it. So now I feel like we're ready to go to the F in the poof process. F stands for feeling about the self. You want to imagine if your worst fear, worst case scenario came true, how would it make you feel about who you are? And there are three common feelings that come up. I call them F. W, P. Remember, they're going to say something really negative about us, but they're not true. We just, we have to identify it so it doesn't control us subconsciously. Now, F stands for failure or failing others. W stands for worthless. And this comes in many different forms. Worthless as in, I don't matter. I don't exist. I'm alone. People don't care about me. I'm disrespected. I'm an outcast. I'm abandoned. The third one is P, which is powerless. This comes in two different forms, but they're highly related with each other. Now P, I mean, powerless comes in feeling immensely responsible for others. I call it powerless as a fixer because when the truth is when we feel responsible for others, we cannot use our personal key to drive the vehicle of life for another. So mm-hmm. we're kind of trying to be in control of something that is out of our control. And the second part of powerlessness is just needing to be in control. And when we're not in control, we can freak out. So, but then only the creator is in control or however you want to call it. God love or universe. So, um, out of so, if your worst fear came true, let's say the first thing about anxiety is that when you're vulnerable on your podcast, you will expose people, and then they will reprimand you, and then cut you off or kick you out mm-hmm. of their life. Um, how would that make you feel? The FWP and why? Because these are these feelings are just general guidelines. You want to be specific.
1: How would it make me feel?
0: Yes. How did mm. it make you feel the FWP and why? Failure, worthless, or powerless?
1: In Again, in a hypothetical, I'm probably playing all of that out. When I really think about it, and you're right, I, I wouldn't be in control of it, but I've been trying to control it. And so if it really happened, you know that you always deal with it, you know? But play, it's playing out. Probably powerless. Pa- powerlessness.
0: Powerless because? Oh, you couldn't prevent the worst mm-hmm. the worst case scenario from happening.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Exactly. Would you also feel a sense of, because like a, wor- a worthlessness in the sense of being outcasted, abandoned, and also being reprimanded is like somebody's mm-hmm. disrespecting you, mistreating you.
1: Mm-hmm. Correct. Yeah all all of those really.
0: Got it. Got it. Would you feel a fail a sense of failing them, letting them down? I'm just I'm not saying this is Mm -hmm. the case for you. No, no. no. I just want to see. I want to make sure I'm uncovering all the feelings.
1: Yeah, I don't think so because it's been ten years now since I left, and people. Who are interested in these topics or it resonates with them in any way are so supportive. And I have a great support system and amazing people who've been part of my journey who cheer me on and talk about how important this work is, which it is. It's just in the face of other people who believe it. So you're like straddling these two lines, right? This group of many, many people that it's the content is actually for versus again, this very small group of people that it does not resonate with and they might not like it because it's about something very personal to them in an angle that, that they don't like. Um but I I I how much am I still attaching
0: I, it I as a failure? To, yeah I want to feel comfortable with exploring these feelings, because mm-hmm. even if you're in a situation or a problem that is un you know is not healthy or unjust, it may be wrong. I want to see how it's bringing up a core feeling. What feeling is bringing up in you? For example, my wife has a terrible concept of time. She's always late on a second date. She was forty minutes late. And it makes... Yeah. So it makes it makes me angry because it makes me feel like I don't matter.
1: Yeah.
0: But then should her behavior change? Yes. But that feeling that I don't matter preceded the problem. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I, it's important to feel comfortable with yeah. identifying these core feelings because the whole goal is eventually you're going to cut the head off the snake. Okay. Okay.
1: okay. I don't think... I think fear of failure must be in there somewhere, but oh, I, I th- do oh go ahead
0: I think I think you for that first scenario you yeah you, I, I don't sense the fear of failure is what you said was correct it was like powerless um and worthless mm-hmm. um, I like to revisit that the other scenario was um being tied to a man, and now it's just angry about the unfairness of the whole situation of having to make a living now when you were not given the opportunity to do so. What you're in this scenario, what is you said the worst for your worst case scenario. What was it again?
1: Um, I guess
0: or, um, what, or is running,
1: it? running out of money or not, not being able to support myself, my kids, um, the, you know, entering the workforce in a place that doesn't welcome us. There's been just different sexual harassment, just different things that have happened that then I guess you pivot and just think like, forget it. I'm not, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to put myself through this. And you just, I don't know, just maybe it elicits a fear that I can think ties back to stuff I felt in childhood of not not being invited in?
0: Because um, it is with the anger and frustration, it, I, I, I made, um, just make one tiny modification is that it's not, not really worse fear, but really worst case scenario. So okay. being treated and like not having that opportunity and being felt like it was extremely unfair. Speaking from that space of the anger and frustration so what is the worst case? To give you an example, it sounds like the worst case scenario is that you have no opportunity because of you are deprived of the opportunity. Mm-hmm. Is that? Mm-hmm. Does that resonate?
1: Yeah, it resonates partially. Let's see how I could like slightly pivot it to pinpoint it a little bit more exactly. Um Frustration that the world is not welcoming of women or people like me. It's not a safe place for us. I'm frustrated about that. I'm f- mm-hmm.
0: and what feelings does that frustration bring up in you in the FWP and why? Failure, worthless, or powerless.
1: Powerless, for sure.
0: Powerless because you can't change your situation?
1: hmm mm-hmm.
0: And it sounds like it would bring up a like feeling of... Because if if they're unwelcoming, then it would bring up feelings of worthlessness. Although this is not true about who you really are, but just to identify the feeling.
1: I don't know if I... I've, if that totally resonates, because again, as there's been different sexual harassment, different people trying to, you come in thinking you have these great ideas and you want to contribute and you want a healthy environment for working at the times that I have worked corporately. And instead you're taken out to secret dinners or you're taken over here where different things are dangled to you that are never going to be realized because they're not about your merit. Or your brilliance, they're about what somebody can get out of you, which is disgusting. Um, It's that they're worthless to me, that I have not internalized that someone who didn't see my brilliance, I've I've internalized other things. And I I see other places where I'm trying to control a situation or where someone's projected something onto me that I've bought into. But in this case, no i'm so angry and so frustrated because i know the problem is not me and i'm not worthless in any way and i can take accountability in other areas where i need to but in this one absolutely not and it's it is that it is the powerlessness and not worthlessness what's my other option
0: um, let me see, because I want you, and, and I think, I think if we go to the next phase, some of this stuff will make more sense,
1: yeah.
0: but the feeling is, I'm not saying that these feelings are not true about who you really are,
1: mm. but,
0: they're, but anger and, and these other negative emotions are coping mechanisms to protect some type of pain. So when you feel it makes you angry, then it's bringing up some type of, feeling about yourself and that's what you want to because if you it's important to identify it because other if we don't then it'll subconsciously control us
1: okay Um, i'm nodding along. i'm getting it because i am having obviously a visceral reaction and i am angry so you're right i'm not looking at the anger as the overlay over the deeper source okay i've got to go deeper i've got to go deeper um um okay um
0: because if somebody's taking advantage of you uh mm-hmm. mistreating you not seeing you for your merit these are all things that would make a person feel worthless mm-hmm. it's not true about who they really are but that's just like if somebody's mistreating me not giving me the opportunity mm-hmm. you know i would feel like like i don't have they're not allowing me to to honor my worth mm-hmm. Yeah. not okay. but it's it's not true but because right. it's, it's kind of like yeah it's not true about who you really are but you want to like for example with my wife you know like the behavior of being late is is not a good thing but it would make me so angry mm-hmm. because it made me feel like i didn't exist mm-hmm. you know like and that's that's an ongoing issue whether she's normally late Uh, It was uh, in
1: my marriage as well. (laughs) Um, For me, I was the late one. He was the one feeling hopeless. Sorry about that. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I, I guess you're right. I guess I'm just, perhaps there's more than an overlay of anger to soothe it. There's like this, I've always had a really positive inner monologue and really been gentle and easy with myself, which I think is something a lot of people struggle with, but maybe it's like, and another coping, like I'm, I'm so in that narrative of like, you're okay. You're fine. Like you can't fail. It's all right. Failure's fine. So I don't know, maybe the two are working overtime to really lay this, you know, muddy the waters so that I can't see that underlying issue. Maybe yeah. I'm honestly that blind to it, which is I'm totally fine with. I, that makes a lot of sense to me that I would be
0: because negative thoughts are rooted in negative feelings. So if mm-hmm. we change the thought, we can't really correct the feeling unless we uncover what's underneath that. But I want to, I think to make more sense of this, we, it's its good to go to the, to the S and the F-I-S-T process. So S stands for separation, separating from what doesn't belong to you. And what this really means, I want to first ask a question. Mm -hmm. Uh, So if other people around you are feeling anxious, angry, sad, or depressed, are you able to feel it, pick up on it, or sense it? They don't need to even tell you that they're angry or that they're anxious or they're depressed, but you can feel it, sense it, or pick up on it. Absolutely. Okay. So the way you answer that question puts you in the category of the one out of five people born with the gift and the ability of high high sensitivity and high empathy. Not everybody's born with some level of sensitivity, but that, the way you answer that question, so you're that one out of five. And I'm, I'm very much the same way. And another way to understand separation is you want to pull up your worst fears, worst case scenarios, your core negative feelings, the negative emotions. And you want to ask yourself, who else in my life feels this way? And another way to ask this question is to ask yourself, whose movie am I in? Because when you have this strong gift and ability of high sensitivity, you can subconsciously zap yourself into somebody else's movie, thinking it's your own. And in this scenario, it is a nightmare because no matter what you do, nothing ever changes. Because it's not your movie. Mm-hmm. Okay. And there are many people in, w- in which we can find ourselves in the movie of, but we'll, we'll begin with the first people you ever knew. And that would be your parents. So we're going to, what we're going to do, the connections will not be uh, obvious in the beginning, but they will be clear when we complete the process. So I just want you to be uh, a little patient. Mm-hmm. So we're going to apply the same P-E-W-F process to each one of your parents. And we'll begin with the parent that is more emotionally expressive.
1: Mm -hmm. That's my mom.
0: Okay. And with your mother, what emotion, what negative emotion does she experience out of anxiety, anger, and depression? Anxiety. Okay. And what problem or situation brings up strong feelings of anxiety, worry, or fear in her?
1: Oh, she's not going to like this. I think, <laughs> I think the church, I tried to tell her this once before when I first left. The church is a manufacturer of fear that they then solve and around and around the loop goes so I know I don't know if she does anymore but she in my childhood had great fears of not getting into heaven that were visceral like and it I think it was a worthiness thing it was playing out and and the church itself majorly foists um worthiness fears on people for example I was not allowed to go into my youngest sister's wedding because she got married in the temple because there's a worthiness involved with seeing two people in love wanting to join their lives together. If you haven't paid your money and if you haven't done XYZ, you're labeled as unworthy. And there's all kinds of ways you can always be labeled unworthy within this church. And so for me, um, I think there's already she was in my childhood single family income lots of kids got married a lot of young so of course there was a lot of money fears because she was very open about that but in addition there were a lot of fears playing out about different things that in my mind the church insights onto
0: them like unworthy oh, not not, not in- getting not getting into heaven
1: absolutely
0: Okay. And then she said she had money fears because she was a single parent?
1: She wasn't a single parent. She w- It was a single family income because again, the woman is shamed to work. So my dad at times worked three jobs, but they got married young as is extremely common within this culture, had kids extremely young because especially at that time, birth control was very taboo. So um, all, all, all but... One child was unplanned. So get married in the middle of college, have to drop out of college, then um, get get have kids immediately. They, my, my daughter uh, my sister was born, I think nine or ten months after their wedding when they were twenty one when they got married, as was I, um as virgins. And then,, um, yeah, I was born um. 17 months later, as I said, with health problems. So there was a lot of fears all the time playing out around making it, right? I guess making it in this earthly realm, not running out of money and making it to heaven.
0: Let's identify your mother's core negative feelings. So if her worst fear came true, that she did not go to heaven, how would it make her feel the FWP and why?
1: Failure,
0: I guess. Like she didn't good, do a good enough job to get into heaven?
1: Yeah. I guess worthless too, though.
0: And because, because she was worthless
1: so she failed. Yeah.
0: Without going to heaven, you don't have eternal life. You would be com- eternally dead. hmm Okay. And with your um, father, does he have any uh, emotions of anxiety, anger, or depression?
1: I don't think so. I don't know. He's always been a lot more reserved, um, and he's he, he's not. He's never ever had anger issues in in my whole growing up. You know, he I can think of less than ten times, less than maybe even five times
0: okay.
1: he okay. really was angry, um, anxiety or depression. Probably if there's anything, either one of those, but just bouts, he's a pretty, um, really reasonable
0: person. Got it. So he doesn't really have feelings of anxiety, worry, or fear.
1: (sighs) I'm sure he does like we all do, but I'm, there's, would be nothing that as. Does he
0: suppress everything? I think so. I think that's his coping mechanism.
1: For sure. He's he was a an EMT as well, so first responder. So our Sunday dinners were about people's feet getting chopped off by lawnmowers and cleaning up people's brains on highways because they didn't wear helmets and things. So the trauma he did have some trauma in his childhood and he the the trauma of day in day out making your money by your career being traumatic every single day. And me never seeing that trauma in him expressed, which he surely, I mean, I, I just project myself onto being a first responder. Um, I'm sure it's a high suicide rate. I'm sure it's a you know high rate of however trauma bleeds out. And I never, never really saw it,
0: honestly. I don't know. If if it's something worth exploring, then we'll do that later on. Um, but I like to, for now, just kind of focus on like your mother's. Does she often feel this feeling of worthlessness?
1: I don't I think she does now. I think it's super odd when you've got a certain childhood experience of someone, and this would be natural. Again, single income, five kids. Super young, didn't feel supported. Now they're empty nesters. Money's not an issue. They're not raising five bratty kids. Like, she, they're super calm. They're very happy in their marriage. And so she's a very different person now. But as at the time that, you know, I'm in my formative years with her, yes, she was stressed, she was fearful. She was, um, I know she had worthlessness feelings. She didn't, I think she didn't feel worthy of my dad. Like she was an ugly duckling and she'd married above herself. I think she had fears, which she doesn't now, but she did. And she was open about those fears in my childhood and fears of, um, lots of fears of not being good enough in a lot of ways. She was very, very open about those in our
0: childhood. Oh, she was very open about not feeling good enough? Mm-hmm. What would, what would she say?
1: Um, she She felt ugly, even though she's really beautiful. Doesn't now. Again, that was healed at a certain point, maybe around the time I was in my teenage years. She started to come into her own. She started to speak up more within her community. She started to maybe find the books and information that helped heal her. But at the time, um, she had a very, very big fear of snakes. And I remember lots of even phone calls about snakes that she would have with her friends. And we, all five girls, have a very irrational fear of snakes.
0: Got it, got it. Do you have an object around you, a handheld object that you can place onto your lap and without your hands holding it though. And you, you can still feel its weight and preferably not an electronic device. Yeah.
1: I have a three pound weight just s- sitting right next to me. Oh, perfect. <laughs> That'll do. Yeah. Okay. Okay. On my lap.
0: Okay. So I, wanna, I want you to place it onto your lap. Mm-hmm. Okay. Remember this is, the first phase of separation this is the second phase which is really important but this will create that initial uh, step all right so remember we talked about the gift and ability of high sensitivity mm-hmm. another way i call them i call them emotional antennas. you can't see me right now but i want you to put like fingers up your index fingers up put it right next to your head just for a few seconds, as if you're, they're literally your emotional attendance. Do you know what I mean?
1: Yes. Yeah. Up. Yeah, they're up. Okay.
0: All right. You can place them down. Okay. And I want even, and close your eyes for a moment. Mm-hmm. Even if you place your emotional attendance down, your hands down, I want you to know that your emotional attendants are always there. They allow you to feel what other people feel. You were born with that gift and ability, right? Now I want you to keep your eyes closed and feel into your body because your true emotional antenna is your body, okay? This is how you feel what other people feel. This is where you uh, internalize them and store them. Okay. All right? I want you to connect with all the negative emotions, the core negative feelings, and the worst fears, worst case scenarios, the feeling of, powerlessness, the feeling of, uh, worthlessness, or if you, uh, sh- share your vulnerability and expose your family members, will they cut you off or, um, being m- mistreated, you know, um, that bring feelings of both powerlessness and worthlessness. I want you to end in the anger and the anxiety, connect, feel all of that inside your body. And then I want you to transfer it all into that object and weight on your lap. Transfer every last drop of it. Okay. Okay? Now you're going to reframe what these negative emotions and core negative feelings are. And I want you to reframe them as the emotional signals you picked up through your emotional attendance from your parents since you were a child. So your father suppresses how he feels. So that's why you allow, I hear you, th- you know, thinking a lot, hard to connect with the emotion. Know that some of that is coming from that, but that feeling like your mother's felt like an ugly ducking, duckling. You know, kept on repeating that. Felt like she was not good enough. Like she lacked self worth, and also the fear of snakes. Because what happens if you get bitten by a snake? You die. And if you die, you don't exist. You don't. You cease to exist. And also the fear of not being able to get, get into heaven. Mm-hmm. And that's also like, if your her, her worst fear came true, it would bring this feeling of worthlessness.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And so I want you to just kind of like see that that feeling part, begin to see the, how you're in your mother's movie. And what we're going to do right now, we're going to say, I mean, do you have any questions or feelings so far? No, no. Do you resonate so far?
1: Yes, absolutely.
0: Okay. So to kind of, how do you, well, what's the first step to separating from what doesn't belong to you? Especially when it feels like it's so much a part of your being or it's like your little make, the makeup of who you are. So what you want to say is S-A-M. Are you okay with a little playful cussing? Oh,
1: absolutely. Absolutely.
0: Okay so. Any <laughs> okay. so. Okay. So, SAM stands for "shit ain't mine."
1: Shit. Say it again. <laughs> shit ain't mine. Oh, shit ain't mine. Okay,
0: sorry, I missed yeah. the ain't. Shit ain't mine.
1: Okay. Yeah.
0: So the 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 weight of all the negative feelings, core uh, negative emotions, worst fears, worst case scenarios, all of that is on that weight in the object on your lap. Mm-hmm. Okay. Shade in mind, you're not telling this to your parents. You're telling this to yourself, okay? Mm -hmm. Because if you internalize other people's feelings into your personal space, into your personal being, it'll become your emotional kryptonite and break you down physically, emotionally, and mentally, making your life into a living nightmare because this stuff is not yours. There's nothing you can do. It's in a hologram. No matter what you do, you burst your hands right through it Nothing changes the hologram. So I want you to say SAM. And as you do that, I want you to imagine the healthy line separating your, per- your personal space and the personal space of your parents. And when you place that object across the healthy line of separation, you're going to say out loud, SAM, shit, A, mine? And at the same time, feel your body separating from these negative emotions and feelings. Whenever ready, you can do so.
1: Shit ain't mine. I can feel it. I can. It started before I even said it. Like you just start to cut through the illusion that it is yours, right? And it like I I feel lighter. Like it's leaving. Like it actually, really is happening.
0: It's beautiful. So uh, another thing I would like to add is that remember that gift of high sensitivity and high empathy. See, you can feel so strongly of what others are feeling, especially as a child, you're born with that gift. And your mother, since you were a child, I'm pretty sure she had these fears, right? Mm -hmm. So you could feel them, but you didn't know what was hers and what was yours. So you want to use your gift. Your gift is not a curse. Your gift is a gift, but you want to use it consciously and correctly. Remind yourself and use this mantra. I'm not an emotional sponge but a source of light. So if I say SAM, I separate from what doesn't belong. If you separate from what doesn't belong to you, then you can actually begin to help others because you're a source of light. You're not an emotional sponge. Doing that will only make your life into a living nightmare and you don't help others that way. Mm-hmm.
1: Okay? I'm not an emotional sponge. I'm a source of light. Source of light?
0: Yeah, source of light. Okay. Yeah, this is... Um the aliens are visiting again.
1: <laughs> I knew it. That's
0: where I get my power.
1: <laughs>
0: so yeah, this is that's the first half.
1: Thank you so much for joining us today, and a huge thank you to Michael Shu for his wisdom and for his expertise on this topic. I hope you have enjoyed part one. I know that I have. And I can't wait to share part two with you. I'm not going to make you wait. I'm going to drop it tomorrow. So come back here for the conclusion and finality of this process that I know you're going to want to apply in your own life. And I hope you're already finding so much clarity and insight into your own unique situation. I would love to see on my website, natalieq.com. You can always connect with me on Instagram, as you know, at natalieq. Thank you so much for your reviews and for rating the show. Thank you for subscribing if you haven't already. It is so appreciated. Your support truly does warm my heart. Thank you so much and we'll see you tomorrow.